Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBerge. For those of you just joining us for the very first time, welcome. We seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. We're, we are um, we're trying to walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus, uh, that are winsome and welcoming and faithful to what God has revealed about himself in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. So that's who we are and what we're about. Yesterday, we had a conversation with Scott Todd from One Child. Um, and one of the things that Scott shared with us is that um, things have actually gotten substantially worse for the world's poorest people during the COVID uh, pandemic. And as if on cue, the World Bank actually released a report demonstrating exactly what Scott was talking about um, just yesterday. So for the last two decades, incomes in the poorest of the countries around the world um, have been catching up with richer countries like ours, but the pandemic has actually reversed that trend. So you can read that, um, that World Bank uh, publication on the global economic prospects, but let me just summarize it here quickly. So inequality is actually growing um, where for 20 years had been shrinking. Like, so for 20 years, there was this process of the poorest of the poor um, getting to the place where at least, at least they could feed themselves. They could find daily food. That is no longer true. Um, The inequality gap between um, richer countries like ours and the poorest of the poor countries around the world, the gap has now grown um, in the last uh, 18 months. And the World Bank is talking about not only the human suffering that results from that, but the geopolitical instability that follows. And so in its Global Economic Prospects report, the World Bank finds um, a constellation of factors that include COVID's uh, impact. And they're talking about the, uh, the length of time this is going to go on and the severity in countries that were already poor to begin with. Um, They don't have effective mechanisms to obtain nor rapidly distribute vaccines. And so the pandemic itself is a problem. They also have less access to what are called debt markets, which is a way to pay for large scale government programs that uh, cushion economic pain for the poorest of the poor. And then inflation, as we talked about with Ruth Kramer, um, what's going on in Lebanon uh, particularly. But that's just one example. Inflation is a greater problem in in countries that don't have the ability to um, to boost their own markets. For rich countries, higher food prices can be an annoyance, but in uh, in countries where people are already poor, it leads to mass starvation. And so I don't tell you that to ruin your day. I tell you that um, so that you and I will be very, very sober about what's going on around the world. And um, we will be pricked in our conscience to uh, to support, if we are able, at $39 a month, a child 
through one child. So we're inviting you to partner with us um, and this ministry. You can do so by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. There's a way to support one child. So might God be leading you to support one child in the poorest of the poorest countries in the world um, and to do so in a way that bears witness to the fact that every human life matters to God and everyone is precious in his sight. Uh, If you missed Natalie Grant's rendition of the national anthem on Monday night, that is worth a YouTube visit to go and uh, listen to and see. And then if you um, are not up to speed on the story of the University of Georgia quarterback, um, that's a great story as well. His name is Stetson Bennett. And among all of the things that you will learn about him if you uh, if you follow his story, one of the things you're going to learn is that a couple of years ago, he gave up his smartphone for a flip phone. Why? So he could be more productive as a football player. We're going to talk with John Brandon about all of the things that you and I could do to become more productive. The book is The 7-Minute Productivity Solution, and John Brandon joins us next. By the dawn's early light. What so proudly we had at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through what the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, Do not be afraid. All right, we are. Talking with John Brandon again today. Um, he joins us on a regular basis, but today's a special day um, because we are celebrating the release of John's brand new book, The Seven Minute Productivity Solution How to Manage Your Schedule, Overcome Distractions, and Achieve the Results You Want. John, welcome back and Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. So um, it's fun, book release. Just just, just give us a little emotional discharge on the book release. <laughs> well, it is really fun. Every author gets this huge box of books. They're called comp books, and they arrive in the mail, and you unpack it. I'm not really much of a like video influencer type person, but some people do a little video of the unboxing of their own book. I'm just happy to have people read it, you know. <laughs> uh, but it is exciting. It's 18 months of work, six months of research, six months of writing, and now it finally comes out on Tuesday. So it's pretty awesome. It comes out on Tuesday, and we have copies to give away today. So um, if you are interested in this subject matter, if you say to yourself, you know what I really need? I really need help getting uh, getting myself put in order, managing my schedule, overcoming distractions, achieving the results that I want. I need a seven-minute uh, productivity solution. Just text the word book to 877-933-2484, and we will enter you into the drawing of the copies that we have um, available to give away today. John, when we talk about... Um, Uh, getting a handle on all of the things that we feel responsible to do um, and also the things that we need to be doing in order that like six months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now, two years from now, I could be able to look back and be like, okay, I was actually productive. 
What does that word mean? Because if we're going to talk about a seven-minute productivity solution, I need to understand what does it mean to be productive? Right. And so uh, I agree with you, and this is something I need myself. I wrote the book because I need to be more productive. What I mean by it is being intentional with your time. Uh, This is based on my own faith journey, by the way. So I, I believe as a Christian in the Imago Dei, which means that we're created in the image of God, And my implication of that is that we are created to have purpose. And this is what separates us from the rest of the world, by the way. They just kind of live for today and do whatever they want. They're not very intentional. As Christians, what if we can be so intentional that our work has purpose, our life has purpose, our marriage has purpose? And that's what I'm really addressing in the book. Uh, And and, and I should say that being intentional doesn't mean like I'm going to make a plan and then not follow through on it. Intentionality means I'm going to make a plan and then I'm going to do it and then I'm going to go on to the next plan. Uh, an example of that is you were just tra- talking about one child. You know, it's one thing to say, like, I'm going to support a child. You know, that's a great idea. It sounds cool. You maybe feel good about yourself for a little while, but actually carrying through on the plan. That's what I mean by being intentional. Um, And I do this by saying be intentional for seven minutes and it teaches you how to be intentional on taking a break or scrolling through social media or checking your email. And then you learn those habits and you're intentional in every area of life. Yeah, I appreciate that it's seven minutes because I'm like, yeah, you know, I can at seven minutes. I could give this a try for seven minutes, right? Right. I could I could try for seven minutes um, to only like only do social media for seven minutes, like only scroll for seven minutes. And then when the and the buzzer goes off and the alarm goes off, which, by the way, I love the idea of using a minute timer to do this. Right. Set a seven minute timer. Um, I need that to help me know how long seven minutes is. So talk with us about um, let's do this one. Let's do the morning routine. Sure. Um, w- first of all, maybe why seven minutes and then what might the morning routine look like? And I, I can feel I can feel Paul saying, you guys don't have um, time right now uh, to do that. So you think uh, I'm thinking that, don't you? I, you are. <laughs> you are. Right. You're thinking that I'm looking. I'm actually looking at the clock and I'm thinking that, too. So John Brandon and I are going to continue this conversation about the seven minute productivity solution. We're going to answer the question. Why seven minutes? I mean, that seems like a really short period of time. Why seven minutes? If you're interested in entering the drawing for the book, text the word book to 877-933-2484. All right, John Brandon is the author of The Seven-Minute Productivity Solution, How to Manage Your Schedule, Overcome Distraction, and Achieve the Results You Want. Uh, I would say that New Year... The new year, uh, there's no better time. There's no better time for the seven-minute productivity solution than right now. Uh, And so we are giving away copies today. We're excited about that. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can um, can also visit with John on this topic. The the website is 7minutesolution.com. John, why seven minutes? Yeah, and Carmen, you were the one who pointed out to me once that in radio, uh, you can talk for seven minutes and then you need to take a break. We actually just did that. So as Paul pointed out over the break, 
Uh, uh, for me, it's based on research in the classroom. And there was a study that found that students pay attention for about five to seven minutes. I picked seven minutes for this. Um, before they start, you know, getting distracted. And uh, it's also based on the science of just our ability with our brain to focus on something for seven minutes. We need to take a, a, t- a break to ruminate about it and think about it and decide on our next plan of action. Um, but also, I will say that it, it's a curiosity for me because this is how long I've always done a morning routine and this is how long I've always done a break and I've expanded it into these other routines. So all those things came together. It was a wonderful discovery to me that uh, seven minutes is about the right time to teach someone to be intentional and then later on they can learn to apply those principles to other habits and form other habits. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the, first of all, the word habit is good. You use the word routine, but really, ultimately, we're talking about habits. Um, There are some routines or habits we need to unlearn, uh, and we need to replace them with intentional new habits or new routines. And that's really what you're trying to get us to do, right? Take these seven minutes. um, It's a short period of time and, and actually engage in a new routine. So Let's just talk about your morning routine. You know, what's the first step that you took in developing your morning routine and what's included in it? Yeah, and I should say that so a routine is like an engine. It's baby steps that lead you to a good habit. The other thing is that, uh, you know, we don't form good habits. Good habits form us. And so who are we trying to become? Who do we want to be in life? We want to be intentional. In the morning, your brain is just firing on all cylinders. There's a lot of neuroscience about this that says um, you're, you're, mo- you're paying attention the best right away in the morning with or without coffee. That part doesn't really matter. But uh, I found out that when I'm doing my morning routine, I'm very intentional and it teaches me to be that way throughout the day. And the cool thing about it, I think, is it's so easy. The routine is basically, you know, you open a journal, you set a kitchen timer, you write down a few thoughts for the day, you write down your stressors for the day and you cross them off. And then you write down something that I invented called hope moments, which are the things you're really looking forward to. Um, you know, maybe, uh, well, this is a good example. My my daughter actually told me once that she had a, a hope moment in her journal that said, I'm going to get married today. So that was a pretty mm. big one, you know. Um, but that forms the habit for the rest of the day. It teaches you to how to just keep track of your time and say that I am going to be working on the right things that lead me to become the type of person that I want to be. So um, I started doing this when I got the book, and I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not doing all of it. I'm doing little parts of it, but I have a hope moment that I thought I would share with you because I thought you would like it. Oh, sure. Well, I wrote down, Jesus is coming today. <laughs> nice. That's, there's no that's better one that. that's a huge motivator for me. That's yeah. a huge motivator for me. Like, it, right? It's, I mean, that is where my hope is set, but that's also one day going to be true. Like, I, yeah. it's substantial. It's amazing to me, too, that when you chronicle these things, there's there's actually a 40% chance that you will remember them if you write them down. Mm. If you tell somebody else and find accountability, you actually, the chances of you remembering it go up to 70%. So those stats just alone help. It's really good to just write things down and ruminate about them. But then as you go through each day, 
in the coming weeks, you can look back and say, oh, yeah, I remember when I wrote down that hope moment about getting married someday or finding a new job or maybe finally defeating the doom scroll on social media. And, and it's just a really encouraging thing to be intentional with your time like that. All right. A hope moment is one, um, one wonderful thing uh, that you give us in the seven minute productivity solution. I'm wondering if there's one other thing in here that you think to yourself, you know, I think people would really like to know that. Um, I will say this. We've never lived in a period of history when we've had so many distractions. And I'm, I'm really I'm emphatic about that. This is the point in time when, uh, you know, with COVID, with the economy, with inflation, but also with social media, Netflix, everything's competing for our attention constantly. And here's what I want to say to people who are listening to this. There's a chapter in the book about taking a break. And here's, here's my encouragement to you. That's okay. You can stop. You can take a pause. You can turn off your phone. And no one's going to miss you for that seven-minute period. And, and honestly, it's the easiest routine in the whole book. It's like, you know, you just sit down with a journal again and maybe play a game, uh, maybe write out your thoughts for the day. Um, this is something that people don't do. They think that they have to be always on and always hyper-productive. And it's okay to just, you know what, I'm just going to check out from the world for a few minutes and let everything else pass me by. Yeah, the the checking out for seven minutes is such a gift. Yeah, <laughs> that is really such is. that is such a gift. Um, all right, so in the spirit of if we write it down and then we tell someone else, and that makes it more sticky and uh, brings about some accountability. Um, I I need um, and I am committing to a seven minutes because because you've convinced me I can do anything for seven <laughs> minutes. Right, I'm going to do a seven minute workout every morning. There you go. That's probably I, the next I, book topic for I, the next well, book. <laughs> I mean, I got it. I got to do it. Like I got to yeah. start somewhere and seven minutes seems like a reasonable place to start. So because yeah. you've convinced me, you've convinced me that seven minutes is a reasonable time. Yeah. And it's good to make really easy goals for yourself. Baby steps lead to good productivity. Don't set these massive goals like, you know, I'm going to uh, go for a walk for, you know, two hours or something like that. Just say you're going to go for a walk for 30 minutes or even 15 minutes. And then that teaches you how to form that habit. Yeah, exactly. All right. It's so good. It's so good. All right. We want to pray for you um, because the book is launching and we want um, everyone to uh, have the opportunity to be more productive as Christians in the world. And so I recognize you write as a Christian. It is not a quote unquote Christian book. Um, And so we want it to find a very, very wide um, appeal because we know that there's there's truth, um, and we want the truth to be broadcast far and wide, not only you know through this medium, but through the book. And so can we pray for you yeah, as this book awesome. launches? Please do. Father, thank you for our brother and colleague, John Brandon. Thank you for the way you have knit him together. Thank you for the way you've called him to yourself. And thank you for the way that you um, are going to use this book to allow John opportunities to make you known to make you famous, uh, to bring people an awareness of, of who you are and the image that you um, place in each, each one of us. Thank you for investing us with your Holy Spirit, and thank you for the return on that investment that you are enjoying even today through John and through this book. And so we ask your hand of blessing upon him as he goes forth to talk with others um, about all that you are and all that you've done uh, as 
as he encourages people to live more intentionally. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank, thank you. you, John. Blessings, blessings. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. We'll talk with you again soon. The book is The Seven Minute Solution. It's a seven minute productivity solution. We're giving away copies. You can text the word book to 877 2484 and you can check it all out. SevenMinuteSolution.com. We'll be right back. Forgiveness. When you think about uh, forgiveness, do you think about something that you need, something that you want, something that you've experienced? Is there a biblical story of forgiveness that comes to mind when I say that word? I mean, the, the story that comes to mind for me is Jesus's healing of um, of the paralyzed man. And, you know, when he says he's looking at him, right? And his friends have obviously brought him to Jesus so that Jesus would physically heal him. And Jesus looks at the man and says, your sins are forgiven, which creates all this like immediate controversy among um, the scribes, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were like, uh, you know, nobody can forgive sins, but God, which is, of course, the absolutely right observation. They just can't imagine that the person who has just said your sins are forgiven could actually do it. And so then Jesus says, hey, you know, what's actually easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say uh, to a paralyzed man, pick up your bed and walk. But to show you that uh, the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, and then he turns and he looks at the man and he says, pick up your bed and walk. And he does. He does. So what happened for that man on that day? I mean, his life was radically changed, radically changed. Um, primarily because his greatest need was met. His greatest need was met. He was forgiven. We're going to talk with Wendy Alsup next about her new book, I Forgive You, and our need for forgiveness. This is Max Locato. I don't know the day and hour of Christ's return, but I do know the Bible urges us to look for specific signs, the preaching of the gospel to all nations, days of distress in which saints will suffer and the creation will tremble. The coming of the Antichrist, an enemy of God who will deceive many, salvation of many Jews. If you knew Jesus was returning tomorrow, how would you feel today? Anxious? Afraid? Unprepared? If so, you can take care of your fears by placing your trust in Christ. If your answer includes words like happy, relieved, and excited, hold tightly to your joy. Heaven is God's answer to any sufferings you may face. If you knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, what would you do today? Live in such a way that you would not have to change your plans. This is Max Lucado. Wendy Alsup joins us now. Uh, you may know her as the woman behind the website, theologyforwomen.org. Um, that is a great site if you're not already familiar with it, theologyforwomen.org. She's joining us today to talk with us 
about her brand new book, I Forgive You. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, But one of the things that you should know about Wendy is that she lives on an old family farm in South Carolina, and she teaches math. So she's a smarty pants girl with a lot going on. Wendy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, Thanks for having me, Carmen. All right. So I feel like we should ask you one of the questions that we often ask uh, one another here um, in the morning, and that is, where in the word are you today? So we do this as a check-in with each other just to recognize the importance of being in the Word of God before we uh, address the issues of the world. So where in the Word are you today, Wendy? I am in the book of Acts, just read the story of Stephen um, and his long, long discussion with the Pharisees and how he really confronted them with courage and boldness. Um, So that was my reading this morning. That is a great question to ask folks. Hmm. Well, thank you for um, sharing with us. Um, I'm I'm in the book of Acts as well in preparation for um, uh, a, a reading that we're going to be doing together here as the Faith Radio family. We're going to um, read through the book of Acts together in a couple of months. And so um, I'm busy doing that because we're producing some podcasts related to it. So we're in the book of Acts together. I love that. Um, awesome. tell, us a, tell us a little bit about the why um, behind this book, uh, I Forgive You. Well, I Forgive You... Those are words that are often difficult for people to say, but also there's a lot of people longing to hear those words. Mm. And um, sometimes I think in um, Christian circles, we talk about forgiveness in a bit of a flippant, or uh, we use the word as a catch-all for reconciliation. But um, the Bible is a little more precise in how it uses it, and forgiveness is not exactly the same as reconciliation. And there's just a lot of power and value for both one who has been hurt or harmed and for one who has done the harm to understand the difference in confession and repentance and forgiveness and repair and reconciliation. These are all somewhat different things that play into this larger goal of reconciling with one who has harmed you or who you harmed. Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me was just exactly what you're describing, and that that is this difference between, uh, or understanding, beginning to understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And yet there's a lot in this book about reconciliation and, um, and our call to it, um, and helping us understand really what that looks like and, you know, dealing uh, dealing with the reality that there are some things that cannot be reconciled and won't be reconciled this side of heaven. Um, maybe share with us, um, because one of the things that you do is you work with the story of Joseph um, in, in writing about forgiveness. Um, why, why that story? Of all the ones you might have chosen, why the story of Joseph? Well, my pastor went through this uh, sermon series on Joseph right before I wrote the book, and I'm, I have a, a wonderful pastor, and he really gave me a lot of information and help to put this together. But he did such a good job from Joseph's story of showing not a roadmap, like it's not a four-step process, but it is a great illustration of confession. You know, his brothers finally accurately name their sin and of repentance because you have this moment where judah does a 180 degree turn 
from his sin and goes in this totally different direction and uh, forgiveness. You have Joseph's, you know, very gracious forgiveness of his brothers and releasing them from um, revenge and retribution. But then you also have repair. And that's a, something we don't talk about so often, but the scriptures really do about how to repair the wrong you have done. And Joseph's brothers do this and how they bring their father back to Joseph and bring their brother back to Joseph. Um, so it, Joseph's story is a good illustration of really all of the facets that go into a deep, true, foundational reconciliation. We're talking with Wendy Alsup. We're talking about her brand new book, I Forgive You, Finding Peace and Moving Forward When Life Really Hurts. Um, Wendy, sometimes the hurt doesn't go away. Um, I, I think that it will be helpful for people to know that um, this this is a book full of real stories about real life and real sin um, and real reconciliation, but also um, what it looks like to continue moving forward when the situation, you know, doesn't exactly change. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. One of the beautiful things about Joseph's story is that it does not present Joseph as a superhuman superhero. Joseph has multiple points where he breaks down and just weeps deeply. And so there's no glossing over the harm that was done to him or the loss he experienced. And even as he flourished in Egypt, you know, even as he was past the point, he's second in command, he names his son Manasseh, which is um, one Manasseh and the other one Ephraim, which sounds like the Hebrew for um, fruitful. And he says, I have been fruitful in the land of my affliction. And it holds this tension where he's not saying, well, this land really has been that great for me. You know, he's saying this land has been affliction on me. I don't want to be in this land. And even at this point of flourishing, he still says it was not good that I was in this land. But God has been good to me despite these circumstances. And I really love that name because it, it just gives us this little concrete way to hold it in tension that this is not what God intended, and yet God has been good through it even so. We're talking with Wendy Alsup. We're talking about her brand new book, I Forgive You. Um, it may seem like that's a really easy thing to say. It's a really, really difficult thing to live out. Um, when you think about forgiveness, um, what do you think about? Do you think about the sins um, that you really need to be going before someone else and saying, um, I really need you to forgive me. Um, I have sinned against you and I want to be reconciled. And I know that a part of that is seeking your forgiveness. Or are we more prone to remember the ways that people have sinned against us? You know, we're, we're, people need to be asking us for forgiveness. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the tension that we live within as people who are sinned against and who sin against others. And, and we're going to talk about reconciliation as well. So all of that uh, coming in just a few minutes with Wendy Alsop. 
We'll be right back. All right, the more time we spend um, with Jesus, the more aware we become of the reality of sin in the world and certainly the reality of the sin in the life of the uh, of the person in the mirror, right, the one looking back at us. So I become more and more aware of my sin over time um, and the ways in which I sin against others. Uh, we're talking with Wendy Alsop about forgiveness today. The book is I Forgive You. Wendy, I'm wondering if we could reflect for a moment about the difference or the relationship between forgiveness and reconciliation so that we can talk about reconciliation um, with, uh, you know, with one another today. Yeah, they're, they're different terms. They mean different things. And forgiveness is part of the process of reconciliation. But ultimate reconciliation with someone else really requires on their part, a recognizing of their sin and a repentance and, and, and confession. So you can, you can do your part where you have been sinned against and you recognize that by God's grace, you need to forgive this person um, because God has forgiven you and you're not going to exact revenge or retribution upon them. But that's different than holding them accountable and certainly different than allowing someone, particularly in situations of particular abuse, to continue going on. Because you have forgiven them, you do not have a responsibility to allow them to continue in sin or continue harming others. So reconciliation, ultimately, in a situation in which you can be reconciled, really requires the other person facing their sin head on, confessing it accurately and repenting. Um, and, and so there's, there's responsibilities on both parties. One party cannot bear the full weight of responsibility of reconciliation. Yeah, that's because that's a Jesus-y thing. And when we talk about um, forgiveness being an act of sacrifice, we certainly have Jesus fully in view um, in that. I mean, he accomplishes something for us that... Um, that is that is ultimate and that is complete, and it is different. Um, I think that there are times that people want the kind of forgiveness from us that only Jesus can give, um, and they're asking us to do something that we cannot do. And so I think that one of the things that you suss out in the book is exactly that. Like I, there are things that um, I am in a position to. Uh, to forgive another person of if they are willing to take responsibility um, and if we both recognize like it cannot happen again and there uh, there's going to be a process there's going to be some work to do of repairing the damage that sin has caused right and um, I would say we can forgive someone even if they do not yet recognize their sin but we can't be reconciled with them and we mm, can't right. say you know what we're doing is letting go of our right of revenge and retribution mm. and 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 if you have someone that has not recognized their sin and they're continuing in sin our forgiveness makes a way for true justice not revenge to um go forward in their life so they need to be held accountable but they don't need 
us to ir uh, irrationally or passionately or angrily um, seek revenge against them. And that's what we're letting go of and hoping instead for a kind of gospel intervention, uh, a hmm. just intervention in their lives instead of a retribution or revenge. So good. So good. Um, when you're having a conversation with somebody um, and they're just bound up in unforgiveness, is there a um, is there a way that you would recommend um, we enter into that conversation? Like, I just I know some people, they're just so bound up with unforgiveness. They're just clinging to the ways in which they've been sinned against. Um, and I, I just need a starting point. I need an opening. I think the opening is first to have them articulate clearly what was the sin against them, because you're not going to be able to forgive. Um, you, you need a concrete idea of what you are forgiving. Mm. And and they need someone to say, yeah, that was a sin against you. But then take them to God's word that says, you leave revenge to me. You leave um, retribution to me. And and how Jesus has then forgiven us. I, I find the most convicting, most helpful phrase is reading of Jesus on the cross, where he sees the crowd and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. And that to me is the ultimate help, the ultimate um, con convicting phrase that pushes us over the edge when we are against someone who doesn't recognize their sin, who has harmed us greatly, and we really cannot let go of that bitterness and anger. We need a supernatural intervention by God. Amen. Um, Wendy, I'm wondering if you could introduce people um, in the minute we have left, if you could introduce us to theologyforwomen.org. Like, what's going on there? Well, years ago, it's I don't feel like this, it's nearly as bad as it used to be, but it seemed like a lot of the deeper things of Scripture were reserved for men at seminary. And I was just really convicted that the deep things of the character of God ought to be accessible to all of us in accessible language. And I was particularly burdened to gear it toward women. So um, I started the blog and wrote a book called Practical Theology for Women, How Knowing God Makes a Difference in Our Daily Lives about 10 years ago. And um, it became the blog. And so hopefully it's a place for people to encounter the deeper things of the word of God, but with language that's accessible and feels relevant to their daily lives. All right. And we might have to circle back around on the other book because that sounds like a book we all need. I mean, uh, it, right? I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, we certainly need um, forgiveness. And the book I Forgive You is um, is a wonderful gift to uh, to all of us. So, Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the gift of the book. I Forgive You finding peace and moving forward when life really hurts. You can find Wendy and more at theologyforwomen.org. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. We'll be right back.
All right, let's be praying for each other today. Um, praying right now for uh, for you. Um, I know you're going through stuff. I know you've got um, unresolved sin in relationships and brokenness. I know there's hurt. I know there's pain. I know you're feeling a need for God to intervene. So praying for you right now, whatever hurtful experience you're going through, whatever needs you have. Um, I know that uh, I know there are needs out there today that are financial and those that are physical, those that are relational, those that are related to work um, and family and spiritual needs as well. I know there, there are many um, of you don't, you know, not actively in a church home and not in a fellowship of believers. And, um, and that's hard and that hurts and it becomes really difficult to know how am I going to process through these things um, when I, you know, I'm not in the midst of a believing community. So I get all that. Um, I'm praying for you today. I'm lifting up those specific concerns. Father, make yourself known in ways that are real to us today, that we could feel your presence, that you could be with us in ways that we can perceive and receive and use us as instruments of your goodness and grace in the lives of others. Father, thank you for the forgiveness we have experienced in Christ. Help us to extend your grace to others today. Friends, have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.